Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Uh, let's talk about drug decriminalization and the Portugal model. Uh, now, in the early 1990s, Portugal was in the midst of a heroin and HIV crisis. Approximately 1% of their 10 million people uh, had heroin addiction, and the country held the highest rates uh, of HIV infection uh, in the European Union as well. Well, Portugal did something about it. In 2001, they decriminalized drugs, and the shift there from a criminal approach to a public health approach uh, took effect, the so-called uh, Portugal model. Now, the uh, country or the government decided at that point to throw out punishment-driven policies in favor of harm reduction by decriminalizing consumption of all drugs for personal use, including the purchase and possession of 10 days of supplies. Now, in many ways, we've been having that conversation to a certain degree here uh, in British Columbia and across Canada. Uh, you've uh, heard many mayors and city councillors also talking about their concerns uh, over uh, drug use uh, in parks and other public facilities. Well, over the weekend, the Washington Post had a very interesting article looking at the Portugal mo- model. Uh, and what they basically, in the thrust of that article, touched upon was that uh, while Portugal was a model for progressive jurisdictions around the world, there has been some second thought in regards to what has been introduced. Uh, the article states, quote, police are less motivated to register people who misuse drugs and there are year-long waits for state-funded rehabilitation treatments, even as a number of people seeking to help seeking help has fallen dramatically. Uh, the return and force of visible urban drug use, meanwhile, is leading the mayor and others here, to, mayors uh, and uh, and others here, to ask an explosive question: Is it time to reconsider this country's global, globally hailed uh, drug model? Uh, joining me now to talk a little bit about the Portugal model and the context of British Columbia is Dr. Julian Summers. He's SFU's disting- distinguished professor and clinical psychologist. Dr. Summers, thank you for joining us today. Pleasure to be with you, Jazz. Uh, I, I read this article with, um, I mean, I was very much interested in it and just because of the broader conversation uh, here in British Columbia. I mean, for many years, been hearing about the Portugal model. I'm very curious, um, you've read the article. Your thoughts overall on what you think is transpiring and happening in Portugal and what, what lessons there are for British Columbia? Well, th- thank you for that. It's an ex- That's an expansive uh, uh, topic because in part the... Um, the issues that, that you're referring to unfolded over a roughly 25-year period from mm-hmm. a couple of years before the national strategy through the global financial crisis, which had uh, effects on, on countries and programs around the world, including here in B.C., up to the present day. But a, a key thing that I'd point out for, for starters is that the, um, uh, the investment that Portugal was making in making their initial successes possible has been cut to about 20% in financial terms of what it was over this period, with the result that responsibilities for implementing the services and supports that contributed to their change were effectively downloaded to towns and cities. 
And with that, we get something much closer to what we see in towns and cities around B.C., including mayors saying, hey, this decriminalization thing is not working for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 it's important to just to keep in mind that the key components of their early success were, I think, two things. One is this very robust commitment financially and in a coordinated way to ensuring that people who were on the streets using drugs had clear avenues to support their social reintegration. That's that. And that's the term they use, num- mm-hmm. num- number one. The second is that they arrived at that point after several years of intense discussion as a nation, and this is reflected in the text of their national strategy, which is available online in English, but it's very clear that that's, I think, a, a key similarity to BC right now is that, you know, I don't remember a time in my, in my adult life uh, when we've been more concerned as a, as a population with figuring out what the heck is going on and how can we make a difference. And that's where they were about 25 years ago. So in, in this, uh, based on what you're saying here, uh, this is a failure, in, and maybe that's too strong a word, at the national level in Portugal, where they've walked away financially from these very various programs they, they initially funded and downloaded on, 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 the, on the cities. Yes. To give you an example, when they started, so the the Portuguese national strategy, and I I encourage listeners that are into this to have a look online, the the text is very clearly against um, drug use as 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 an element of well-being. They're not against drug use per se. They're certainly not against drug users. So that's part of the reason why the emphasis on not making this a responsibility of the criminal justice sector but they, but they were adamant that the solution was social reintegration. And so one of the areas that they invested in were therapeutic communities. And many of the people who are on the streets have been for many years um, are going to need a, a sustained period of time. So these are places where people could go for up to two years, learn basically new daily habits, but also learn vocations and skills that would enable them to support themselves when they leave. And they had 63 of these therapeutic communities as part of their response. That has mm-hmm. withered tremendously over time. Here in BC, we have, I mean, I don't want to say zero because there are people doing the work of therapeutic communities, but it's a tiny, tiny number. And, and by comparison, we've got over 40 drug consumption sites. Portugal had zero for well over a decade and during all of the years when they were making their, their massive turnaround. Again, because when, you need, when, it, when a community needs consumption sites, that signifies that they have people who are not only using drugs, but, but likely don't have safe places of their own to live in and to, and to consume those drugs. But if you're, if you're committed right off the bat to social reintegration, then the idea of having a population of people, you know, in substandard or, or living on the street using drugs is a non-starter at the get-go. And that's where they were. Um, so the funding for that array of resources, which, in, which enabled police using their authority as an, uh, with ad- administrative sanctions mm-hmm. to go directly up to drug users, take them to dissuasion commissions. And the dissuasion commissions could support people to, fl- to move through to various ways in which they could, they could begin that journey or take the next step in that journey of integration. As, as you would have read in the Washington Post article, police are now saying, you know, why bother? Like the, the, the journalist tracked police walking right past people consuming on the street. And they said, well, look, 
we could intervene, but there's no point because there's no place for them to go to. They'll be back on the street, you know, before we know it. That's what we hear from police in BC. Mm-hmm. Uh, in regards to treatment itself, uh, can you? Where does that fit within in, within Portugal's model? Like, it, in, in, you know, people listening to this are going to go, okay, where's the account? Where's the accountability? Where's sort of you do the the crime? You should be responsible for it. Number one. But can you put that con? Provide some context for our listeners in regards to this model when it comes to treatment and in regards to punishment in, in, in some cases where let's say somebody does commit a crime because they're trying to, 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 to raise money to buy drugs. Yeah. Um, well, in some ways, it's, it's, I think it's a little bit difficult uh, to, to um, um, draw strong parallels because an important part of the backstory is that a sufficient number of people in Portugal agreed, reached consensus Mm -hmm. in the late 90s that use of drugs as a a matter of a a, a person's uh, lifestyle and um, disconnected from other parts of society is not something that we want. And so they they made a very clear uh, turn toward us. Again, I'm using this term, their term, social reintegration. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, if if we provide people with 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 the, sort of the voluntary a voluntary access to uh, safe and supported housing, um, a means of establishing uh, a vocation or reestablishing a vocation. Um, we're, we're not, and they were not, um, opposed to drug use per se. They, they were opposed to, to drug use in, in the context of, of being socially isolated and, and homeless and unemployed, etc. Um, so they provided pathways for people to choose through the dissuasion commissions. And essentially, if you provide enough pathways for people to choose from, the vast majority will choose those pathways. And by the way, we had an opportunity to do something similar in Vancouver where we could offer people choices of housing and access to various supports. And they, over, they did choose them. Every single person that we met with and offered this, mm-hmm. this array of options to chose them. So people will make choices in their own interests. And when they make those choices, they are now in contact with things that they value enough to invest in their own health, and they take steps to use drugs less riskily. They they're thinking about, gosh, I could be reconnected with my kids. I could reestablish my own employment, and and those the opportunities to pursue those things start to be what motivates them to take further steps in their wellness. Now, if people refuse, are you know are are, are opposed to those things. As, a, as, will, as will occasionally happen, Portuguese law allowed police to take next steps and apply enforcement. So there is a, 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 a proverbial stick available in the legislation. But what it demonstrates and what we, what we found as well is that if we provide the right array of carrots, the use of the stick becomes relatively seldom. My final question to you, uh, is this a success still or do you think this is a, a, a tale of caution where it started off well but there was drift and you're now seeing a potentially a decline in this very program or this very philosophy 
because of uh, you know politicians taking their eye off the ball and fundamentally you know not providing the proper funding that they initially had i i think you've summed it up it's uh you know it's a uh, it remind at, at the individual level it, it reminds me a little bit of of yo-yo dieting you you see some gains you kind of you know lose a little bit of 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 your uh, commitment to the things that have realized those gains for you pretty soon you know but before you know it you're you're back where you started and now you've got to rethink huh, how did how did i make those gains and where did i go wrong Another comparison, I'll give you a second one, is deinstitutionalization, which we committed to, like many places, uh, a huge shift through the 70s and 80s. And mm-hmm. now, these many years later, many people are saying, gosh, you know, I mean, maybe we should reopen the institution because that, because look at, look at, but the problem isn't deinstitutionalization. The problem is our failure to follow through. And and deliver the resources that that were the justification for deinstitutionalization. So, your summary, I think, is is is, is accurate, and it's it's the same one that the journalists in the Post uh, make, I, I believe, which is, it is which is not that decriminalization should now be questioned as a failure. What what the Portuguese appear to have lost sight of, and what's clear in the financial cuts are the elements of their plan that enable decriminalization to be a viable uh, uh, regulatory scheme for their population. It's not, it's not about the supply. We're fixated on supply here in D.C. What we need to be focused on instead is demand to a far greater degree. And that's what that's where Portugal really focused on. So- social reintegration is synonymous with demand reduction. And if you do that, you can have decriminalized possession because there won't it won't amount to that that much of a problem in the population. When we don't enable people to be socially integrated, when we lose track of, of the importance of, of addressing demand for addictive drugs, then having uh, a liberalized laws relating to possession can result in greater harms. So we, we, we need to be aware of this kind of balance. Dr. Summers, uh, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed our conversation as always. Me too, Jazz. Thank you so much.